mindfulness mode. It's amazing how much more fun it is if you are confident in the mountain that you are climbing. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Lankford, and it's great to have you with us again. Have you ever felt like, man, the the, the air in my home is just not feeling fresh? It feels kind of smoky. It smells kind of off. And maybe you rushed out and you got an air purifier at Walmart or somewhere, and you, you started noticing how loud it was but questioning whether it was really making much difference. Well, you know, mindfulness involves living in the moment, but it also involves being aware of the air that we're breathing. There's a lot about breath that we talk about. And I have a guest on today who is going to fill us in on all of this about clean air and how we can get it and everything else. His name is Michael Feldstein. Michael, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode every day. That's good. Mike, what does mindfulness mean to you? What does mindfulness mean to me? I think to me it means um, just presence, presence of of my surroundings, presence of my environment, presence of myself, Um, control or surrender over my um, current state of being. Um, when I think about being mindful, it tends to be at a moment when my thoughts are moving slowly uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm living each moment with intention. That would be my personal definition of the word. Well, you've had intention to help people with their breathing. I know when COVID started, you were helping people to breathe clear air that was not infested with germs and and so on. And then there were wildfires in the West, and you were helping people to have clean air through that. Tell us all about this journey, how you got involved in caring about the air that people breathe. Yeah, I would never have guessed it in a million years. Even if you told me this, uh, even 10 years ago, I would have been shocked. Uh, 11 years ago, even more so. So I'm 33 now. um, And I my entrepreneurial journey started in my teens, but really it got kicked off. um, I actually went to University of Guelph, which is not too far from where you are. Right. Yeah, Um, I, I saw that you went there for a year or so. And um, I had a business repairing cell phones, and mm-hmm. then I quickly got into online marketing, uh, dropped out of school, started a business. And um, online marketing, randomly, I, I had a bunch of friends who worked for mold companies. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, we, we joked and used the term the mold rush because we're like, whoa, this is like construction, but way better business and way less competitive. So I... I had clients as well that were in restoration remediation work and realized these guys are making way more money than me. They're not that good at marketing. This doesn't seem that complicating. So I partnered up with someone in Toronto and I would be responsible for gen- creating the websites, generating the leads. They would sell the jobs. We would split it 50, 50. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, the Calgary flood happened, which was the most damaging flood in Canadian history. And, um, we went out there and um, the partner who I was working with left after a week for personal reasons. So oh. I found myself in Calgary uh, alone with not very much resources at all. I think I had $12,000 to my name. Um, 
So I had to get very creative. And I, I knew some, a little bit, I've done some mold removal jobs, but I didn't know a ton. Yeah. And the first client I ever got was the International Hotel of Calgary, which is the biggest hotel in Calgary. Oh. Uh, at least it was back then. And hotels and apartments and homes. So it's hard to even imagine it now, honestly, but I went from someone who had no, almost no experience in this department to hiring 55 people in a week wow. and, re and restoring uh, about six or seven properties from flood damage. And then I went from like no money in the bank to like a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank. And this gave me opportunity to like, so th this whole process lasted about two months, mm -hmm. but I had to be very, it was a lot of learning on the fly, a lot of high pressure, high stake situations. Um, this was like wartime mode, you know, the military in town, water is up 20 feet high on buildings six stories deep in underground parking lots. And I actually think that being inexperienced worked to my advantage because I wasn't biased by the normal ways that you would, no one had seen floods of this level. So like having experience cleaning up a pipe burst in a basement was almost detrimental because you were trying to operate in that mode for something that's a, a much greater scope. So mm -hmm. long story short, um, did I was in the flood business and then through there, um, I stuck with it. And I started, I learned a lot then about air quality and mold and asbestos because on our job sites, we would have to have regular, regular testing for asbestos and mold. And we would have to pay the mold inspectors every day to get our lab results. Oh. But we would have to wait six months and fight with insurance companies to get paid. And I'm like, it sure looks nice to be one of these mold inspectors. Yeah. Uh, wave a magic wand, do a little test, get paid same day. This is awesome. Yeah. So after the, the flood, I went back to Toronto and I, I started, a, I got into air quality testing and consulting. Um, and for the next several years, I was deeply steeped in environmental businesses. So mm -hmm. I got into the, gener I, after the ice storm in Toronto, I was in generators a little bit, but my, my, my company was called The Rapid Group. And essentially okay. I would create businesses after natural disasters to solve problems. And air quality was the, whether it's a fire, a flood, mold, asbestos, it doesn't matter. Air was the common denominator. And the big moment happened in 2016, Fort McMurray wildfire, also the most damaging fire in Canadian history. Um, over 3,000 homes were completely lost, but every single home in the city was intoxicated with the smoke in a way that no one had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. So the entire no home was 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 spared from a smoke damage perspective, which was also quite novel. Usually, you know, it's a kitchen fire, a dryer vent fire, something like that. Yeah, uh, this was just smoke level in an unprecedented level, and not just um, tree smoke, but all the homes, the cars, the chemicals, the factories that burned—a very very toxic smoke. Um, it was crazy. Like I, I got pretty sick out there. Um, psoriasis started to form like i got all kinds of health stuff living in that oh, environment wow breathing all that bad air drinking that polluted water and i got to i got to meet some lung <clears throat> some doctors who had a hundred x increase of of ch children patients who were having breathing issues asthma um all that stuff um and it was quite interesting because i was living in ontario at the time so i had no experience living in a wildfire smoke environment and I got to see that this was, so there was a, there was a family that kind of tells the whole story where we would go to a home, you know, we'd clean it, we would rip out their carpets, throw out their, their, their couches, their replace insulation, do all that stuff, duct cleaning. 
Um, but then a week later, we get a call. Baby's back in the hospital. And what happened was we'd go back. We tested the air and it was contaminated again. Uh-huh. And this is because after a wild, a huge wildfire, the air can be contaminated for months. It's, you can't see it and smell it anymore, but it's what you can't see and what you can't smell that's most harmful. So this little baby was in the hospital. We go back and test the air. It's heavily contaminated again. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Ugh, what do we do? We called insurance and we're like, hey, your customer's kid is in the hospital. What, what should we do? Should we clean it again? Should, should they maybe go back to a hotel in Edmonton or Calgary for a few months and then we'll clean it again? And they basically said, so sad, too bad. The check's on the way. The homeowner signed off like, our work here is done. And I'm like, well, this sucks. We just got paid a bunch of money and we didn't solve any problems. So this is what I call sad money. And right. sad money does not feel good to get. Um, so what we decided to do, and we, we, we didn't set our rates, insurance companies do, but mm-hmm. it was the most lucrative, profitable moment I've, you, you could ever imagine um, because of the, the scope of the damage. And not many companies went to this rural area of Fort McMurray. So it was, it was an amazing opportunity, but uh, we, what we did is we would leave our large commercial air cleaners in the homes, mm-hmm. um, and within a few hours, that would bring the air back down to a, a safe, ha- habitable level so the family could safely reoccupy the home. Okay. And, but they're loud and they're ugly. So after a few months, we could pull them out, and it was all good. So it was good that we figured out a solution, but... After this happened with a few people, I'm like, you know what? It would be better if I could just go to Home Depot, Best Buy, Walmart, Canadian Tire, mm-hmm. buy four or five air purifiers, give it to them as a gift, and get my heavy-duty equipment back because we needed it for more jobs. Right. And we did it, and within a few hours, the air was poor again because the, the analogy I like to use is most com- c- consumer-grade air purifiers, it's like trying to heat your bathtub with a kettle. So mm. a kettle is fantastic at heating water for a cup of tea, mm-hmm. not for a bathtub. The bathtub, the bath water is going to cool faster than you can heat it. You cannot heat a bathtub with a kettle. Right, totally. Uh, you know, a kettle is for tea. A hot water tank is for showers and baths and dishes and laundries. A pool heater is for pools. There's different size tools for different size jobs. Yeah. So it was almost like the analogy I like to use, it was like our, our commercial grade air purifiers were like pickup trucks. But the thing at Best Buy was like a golf cart or like a mm. small sedan. And we needed yeah. we, the market needed a, a luxury SUV that right. can bring your kids, look good and, and be safe. So that was sort of the, the awareness that and I learned that there, there could be 40, 50, 60 days a year from California to British Columbia where they say stay inside. The air quality is bad. And then in measuring air, I realized it's not much better indoors. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit better than the outside air, so it gives you the perception. It's called the uh, it's called being nose blind. You know, when you're at the campfire, mm-hmm. you don't realize you stink, but when you come inside, take a shower, smell your shirt the next day, you might stink. You stink like smoke. Yeah, uh, for sure. And these analogies were powerful for me to internalize this information, and um, I, I started on a journey. I'm like, because when I, I noticed if you would leave someone an air purifier, they might. Even the big commercial ones, even with toxic air, they would turn them off. Like, why are you turning them off? It was loud. It was yeah, loud. they're so noisy, yes. So you, you, you clean the air pollution, but you create the noise pollution, which is its own form of pollution. So I'm like, okay. The, the, it was like the message that I was receiving was, we need something that's pretty like a Dyson, quiet like a Tesla, and powerful like our industrial air scrubbers. So I tried to create a solution for a whole home system that would go in the HVAC, 
and it was really ineffective. Unfortunately, I wanted it to be effective, but it wasn't. So, um, but it took about a year of trial and error there to realize this is not the way to go because, you know, often your furnace fan is off when it's not heating or cooling, it's not working. Yes. And even when it is, if you put in a really strong filter, then you, you, you choke the furnace and it can't heat and cool effectively also quite noisy and you can't focus your cleaning efforts. So you're cleaning your crawl space just as much as you are your baby's bedroom or your master right, bedroom. Right. So I spent my next three years developing between 2017 and 2020, what is now the Jasper air purifier. I spent a lot of time in Asia because uh, Asia has horrible air, but they're also way more advanced than North America um, from an awareness and technology perspective you would never go into like, even when you go to the bank and you meet with like a teller or a banker, every single room has an air purifier. Every single oh, does class. It? When you go to the mall, there's air purifier stores. It's it's a much more established market because they're okay. like, air is bad. We need to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a point in time when people didn't have furnaces and air conditioners, right? We had fire and blankets and then right. central air. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. Baseboards before that. Um so the awareness came through being in the wildfire smoke and the mold industry. And when we would clear a home after doing a mold removal job or a fire job, when we would test the air to get it cl cleared, what, what, what was considered safe by governments or insurance companies wasn't that good. It was not deadly, but it wasn't optimal. And I'm like, kind of makes me feel like when you go get a blood test or you get a medical test and they're like, we'll call you if you're dying. Right. <laughs> They're not like, yeah. we're going to review your results with you, see where you at. Let's make a plan for a more optimal strategy. They don't do that. It's like, mm -hmm. if it's not critical, it's not important enough to deal with. And I didn't like this one bit. Um, so that, that, was the, that, that was the impetus of the journey to create something that would be effective. Um, so that's how it got started. That's really um, interesting. How did you create something that was effective but yet was so quiet? That's the thing that I can't figure out because some sometimes I sit in my living room in the evening and my neighbor has put uh, wood on their fireplace and you can just smell that wood-burning smell, which I don't want to smell that, but I didn't think I had any choice. And more important than you smelling it, you don't want it in your lungs and in your blood. No, no I don't. Smell is just your body saying, hey, Bruce, uh... We got to get out of the situation because that's that's the whole point of smell. It's a safety mechanism that our bodies have evolved, right. um, and so the reason that it's quiet is uh, if anyone's ever like been in an airport or a gym or a warehouse and seen a big ass fan. It's actually the name of a brand, but basically like a ceiling fan on fan speed one will be silent and still move quite a bit of air. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a little fan is going to be quite noisy. So same with the gears in your car. First gear is the loudest, fifth or sixth gear is the quietest. So the air purifier has to be a certain size mm. in order to operate silently or quietly and move a lot of air. But it also had to be smart. So it could be quiet most of the time. But if there's a, a, a huge smoke event or a cleaning chemical or something like that, then, then it can ramp up, has needed, and bring it down. And then through my background in air quality testing and consulting, um, we put on, it's amazing how technology has evolved. A decade ago, the sensors that are on the Jasper would have been five grand. And now they're very affordable for us. Oh, so, really? So when you, it's not just a air cleaning tool, but it's an education tool because it shows you the air quality on the screen in real time. Okay. Um, so... It's, it's like people have, I've had customers who have been lying in bed and it goes red 
and they trust the sensor. So they got out of bed and investigated. And one person had left the stove on and a, a kitchen fire was on the uh, about to start. Someone else had smoke coming from their dryer. It wasn't enough to smell it, but the air purifier detected it and was able to alert them to a situation. Oh, wow. um, so the, the reason, though, that it's quiet is a high quality motor. But more than anything, it's the size. Mm. So do I need one of those in every room in my house then? Because I'd like one in my bedroom, but living room um, would be nice. And I, I, I and like I like that from a uh, like I've actually had friends that were doing breathwork journeys before, and they saw that little green light looking at them, and it's neat to see the the breathwork overall um, category awareness growing a lot. But often people forget that all breathwork is doing is controlling the flow of air in and out of us, and. I believe that my, something that really hit home for me was I think what water is to fish, air is to humans. So mm. the fish can be in a very contaminated part of the ocean and they don't necessarily swim away to the clean parts because just like us with our own vision and our own perspective, you know, we can't see the forest with the tree red in front of us because the fish are in the water. I don't think that they can tell that it's contaminated same way when we're in a, we're, we're living in the air. There's, Air is so rare. It only goes from sea level up to not much above the clouds. It's this very thin layer of breathable air for us humans. But we're living in air just as much as fish are living in water. And it's it's the first thing that we do when we're born is we take a breath. It's the last thing before we do before we die is take a breath. You know, you can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without air. So I think it's the you know, we food, water, and air is the three intakes that keep us alive. But when you, you're in bed for eight hours a night, there's only one thing keeping you alive, air. There's no, you're not drinking and you're not eating. You know, if you, if you get hungry, you go eat. If you get thirsty, you go get water. But my suspicion is that we've gotten so, we take air for granted and our body, it's so important that it doesn't take a conscious effort to breathe. You know that time, I, I shouldn't even talk about it or we're both going to be screwed here. But when you think about breathing and all you can do is think about breathing, like, oh, damn, I just did it. <sighs> and then all of a sudden, you it's, it's very stressful thinking yeah. about breathing because you're like, when do I talk? And you're trying to time your breath. But it's so awesome that our body's able to do it awake, sleeping, even in a coma, our body still can breathe. And... Yeah. Because of that, and you know, we're so good at adapting, we can have pain and injuries and illness. So you can go into someone's house, it can smell within a few minutes, you don't smell it anymore because your your body's great at dealing with what the, the situation that you're in. So like I always think with with air, you know, the best thing someone could do is live in a place with clean air. You know, mm -hmm. live on Vancouver Island, go go to Tofino, live in the rainforest. You don't even need an air purifier. Crack your windows. The best air is fresh air unfortunately at the rate that we're polluting our planet and creating you know the, the wildfires and the pollution and the chemicals and the toxins not everybody can move to the rainforest so the best thing you can do is do that <laughs> but um so yeah i like to really look at it pragmatically because um you know money is a thing too so i like to start from if somebody had no budget whatsoever what would they do um you know, they would upgrade their furnace filter a little bit, not too much, maybe to a MERV 10. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of hype around MERV 13, 14, 15, 16, but it's it's too good of a filter that it limits the airflow. It can burn out your motor and your furnace isn't designed to clean air. It's designed to heat and cool. Um, so like optimal, no expenses spared. 
somebody would have a good quality air purifier in each bedroom that's being slept in. Right. And they would have one in their kitchen, uh, in their living space. Because, but like the, the bedroom is really table stakes because, you know, people pay thousands of dollars for a mattress, but the average bedroom has about 800,000 particles in it. So that's between 0.3 and 10 microns in size. So that's everything from, and when you test air and you collect a sample of air and you put it under a microscope, it's shocking what's in our air. Even right now, always, you know, you got, you got pollen, you got mold, you got dust mites, you got bacteria, you got viruses, you got insect parts, so many insect parts. Every breath we take, we're breathing little bits of insect parts. It's impossible to avoid. So the average bedroom has, let's say, 800,000 particles. With a good air purifier, within 20 or 30 minutes, you're going to have that reduced by about 95%. So, wow. Especially folks with CPAP machines. It's yeah. like you literally have a machine th that you need to breathe, and it's sh throwing air down your throat with a pump and a fan, uh, but it's not clean air. And right. the, fil the filter on a CPAP machine is, is like this big. It's tiny. It's like a quarter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so it's always, I like to look at the scale of critical, um, harmful, adequate, optimal. And it's kind of like, you know, with, with weight loss, it's like move more, eat less. And with air, it's like you want fresh air and you want that air to be clean. So the most optimal is an air purifier in each bedroom and an air purifier in the living space. That's optimal. They'll run 24 hours a day. Just like you don't drink water from a pond, you, you, we know not to drink water straight from the pond. We even now, a lot of us know tap water, like once you drink filtered water and then you drink tap water, especially in some areas, it's hard, it's chlorinated, you can taste it. Um, so that's optimal. And mm -hmm. um, optimal, but before that, better is at least addressing the bedroom. And depending on the sleeper, you know, if somebody loves white noise, Mm -hmm. They can get away with the smaller. I mean, I hate when they have those little bright lights. So we created ours. So you just hit dark mode. The lights go off no matter what fan speed you're on. Okay. But a lot of folks, um, they, if they, if they don't, and it's also like the quality of the white noise. So a lot of the smaller ones, it's it's a it's like a cheap, annoying, high pitch sound. It's not like a a, a nice whir of of wind. But mm -hmm. you know, if I would rather somebody have a, a slightly annoying or ugly solution than not have a solution at all. Um, so, yeah, if they want quiet, that's when you need something that's bigger because yeah. then it can operate silently and still move the air. But air purifiers are one part of the battle. That's the clean air part. The other part of the battle is the fresh air part. Air purifiers don't create oxygen. They don't filter carbon dioxide. Um, and this is equally as big of an issue. So it's not a problem that we're set up to solve, but um, carbon dioxide in a car. So for context, outdoor air is 400. That's the carbon dioxide level, exactly 400, 400.00. Okay. Uh, indoors, you're going to be in that like 550 to 750 range. If it gets over a thousand, the brain fog is starting to kick in a little more tired. And that's when you're like, you know, 1,500, 2,000, that's where, like, I need to go outside and get some fresh air. And you open the door and you're like, ah, wow, I needed some fresh air. Little did you know, that's not special air. That's just the regular air. We just put ourselves in these little plastic boxes that we call homes, and uh, we suffocate the boxes. So all the harmful stuff comes in, but it can't get back out. So what people can do for that, if you're building a new home, there's something called an ERV or an HRV, which mm -hmm. can bring in fresh air. Um but sometimes there's little tips and tricks too. So in Kelowna, where I used to live, 
we our CO two would go from seven hundred to three thousand at night. We oh, didn't wow. have three thousand. I was sleeping ten hours a night, and I was waking up exhausted. Oh, and wow. there was almost no oxygen in the room. But you sleep amazing because you're like suffocating yourself. Or so, okay. Well, I should say you you sleep deeply, but not restfully. I and, see. Um, it was a, we had baseboard heaters there, so we didn't mm -hmm. have a, an HVAC system. So we closed our doors. We had cats. We didn't want them to come in our room. So the um, the CO2 would get so high, especially if me and my wife were both in there, which at night mm -hmm. we were. So mm -hmm. I have air quality sensors in my house, and you would just see it go up every night and then come down and go up and come down. All we had to do was leave our bathroom door open, the ensuite, and leave the bathroom fan running throughout the night, and it wouldn't go over 900. So, oh. like, um, remember my parents had about 40 or 50 people over in a 3,500-square-foot house in, in, in Thornhill. Uh -huh. And uh, the CO2 went from like that same six seven hundred to about thirty five hundred, and the craziest thing was it stayed high for three or four days. Wow! It didn't just leave when the people left, unless so like if people are are entertaining or hosting, um, you want to purge when they leave. You want to leave the doors open, leave the windows open, let the place ventilate. And my, it brings me back to mindfulness, honestly, because the real thing here that's more important than anything else is increasing your air awareness. Like, I can go into a home and without fail, I know if there's mold, I know if the CO2 is high or low, I can feel the humidity, like, because I've, I've trained my biosensors, so mm -hmm. I'm mindful of the air that I'm breathing at all times, and mm -hmm. I listen to those signals that say, hey, we got a problem here, let's go do something about it. You know, if you smell something burning, safety feature, do something about it, but it's because I've tested the air in so many homes that I've calibrated my sensors with gadgets with it, with instruments so really the, the the it's it's so amazing if you can unlock your own air awareness you will see everywhere you go through the lens of air um and it's it's very empowering because now you can do something to improve the quality of your environment wow that's really interesting i i'm fascinated well i know that you have a website jasper.co and it's j-a-s-p-r dot co and i went there and i filled out a quiz tell us about mm. the quiz and tell us about what we can expect to find at your website i'm disappointed in that quiz um it'll get a lot better soon we're a very small lean team and we have no salespeople and we have no customer service reps i only hire air quality experts who okay who talk to students otherwise that's not the kind of company I'm, I'm trying to build a company that's 50% great education and 50% great product. So if you got a message from somebody said, Hey Bruce, I listened to your podcast with Mike and I just started cracking my window at night. We won. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. Like that's it. It's not about everybody buying the thing, the whole, we're all air breathers. And if someone realized, Hey, you know, I'm at the, I work at a coffee shop and it kind of like, I have a Jasper at the local coffee shop here. And it, it good is four to 10 in particular. It's over 200 often when they're cooking and brewing coffee. Uh -huh. And just that, oh, what, what's going on? Why is that red? So now they, they open their doors and windows more when, it's a, when, it's a, when it, the temperature allows for it. That's way better than the air purifier. So I believe in the Jasper and what it does. But at the same time, um, it's the air awareness that matters most. So our quiz, um, it used to be, so we only turned e-commerce on in February. Before that, we would speak to, we treated it not like an online business. We treated it like an offline consulting business. So oh. if you filled out that quiz, I would call you and I would say, hey, how do you feel? How's your air? How many bedrooms? And I would tell you all the 
half the time, I would tell you all the reasons not to buy Jasper. I would tell you everything on the market from top to bottom. And if the product, you know, I believe great products, no explanation will like for the right person, no explanation is required for the wrong person. No explanation will do. So just tell people what the problem is and what you got and let people make their own decisions. Um, but the quiz is, um, it, so it used to be a lot more detailed. We asked mm -hmm. a lot of questions. It was very thorough, but I realized not super practical. Not everybody wants to get a phone call. They're just looking for a little fun quiz online. They're not looking yeah. for a for a sales appointment or anything like that. So right now it says, how many do I need? And then we basically send them an email saying like, you could either equip your whole home or you could um, do a bedroom. So we're not doing as much as we should be with that quiz. What, what we're working on now, which will be live over the next two months, is based on the answers to the quiz, you'll get tagged in our email list. So let's say you have a dog. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you five or six emails all about what dogs are doing to your air quality and how you can deal with it. If you have a cat, I'm going to tell you all about how cats impact air quality. Most people don't know this. Most people aren't allergic to cats. They're allergic to cat litter. Oh, so really? I've seen so many lives changed by either adding a filter or changing the cat litter, and then you're fine with the cat. It's because the cat's rolling around in toxic chemicals of, and then kicking it up, and it's dusting, and it's clumping. So, oh. of course, so there's all these little things that I've been able to discover that are, are, are really important. Cooking. You know, if, you're, if you have a gas range, if you have any range, yeah. you should always, if you can, use the back because the range is capturing maybe 50% on the front element and about 80 or 90% on the back. So what we're going to be doing, if you're pregnant, you don't care about anything but pregnancy. So then we're going to send you information on air quality, fertility, pregnancy, babies. So what the intention is, is I hate that when I go to most websites, if I give them my email, all they do is discount, discount, buy me, buy me, buy me, yeah, buy me. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to create Jasper to be the company that I wish I was the customer of. So our warranty, it's a lifetime. If it breaks, we courier you a replacement instantly. Next day, you take the new one out, you put the old one in, you have a prepaid shipping label, and we arrange for UPS to come pick it up off your porch because that's how I would want to be treated. And I think if businesses start treating people better, that will become the new competitive advantage and all boats will rise with the tide. So there's my long-winded answer with where the quiz is going now. The quiz today is okay. The questions we ask, though, are still going to be the same. Right. So even so, right now we didn't have a lot of value to provide, but as we um, standardize our education, we'll start to drip out really meaningful information to you. Okay, I want to ask you a question about bullying. I know it's not on the topic of air purification, it's an but important I, one. Uh, yeah, it is an important one. I've worked in this field for a long time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Uh. Yeah, so um, I I would say I wasn't like a chronically bullied kid, but I definitely mm -hmm. had uh, uh, confrontations. And I would say I also bullied uh, uh, some kids at summer camp. And yeah, um, yeah it would have made a big difference because it would it would have allowed me the moment to pause before I acted to just take that moment to think. Whether there was never a situation where I, I had a bullying event towards me that was it was very easily avoidable and it was never personal. And on the flip side, you know, just kind of it's hard to have a mindfulness as a child. It's actually funny. My daughter, she's three and a half. And the other day I said, what you learn at school? And she she sat in a little pose and she said mindfulness. Um, um, 
Cool. So they're at her, she's in like an alternative school that's 70% outside. And, and mm-hmm. it's great to see kids thinking about that. And they have this little angry corner. So if you're mad at someone, you can go here and hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. She came home and she said a kid pushed her today and she cried. And another other kid grabbed her an ice pack. And then I'm like, should we, should we get him back? And she's like, no. And then she was talking about a pool party that she wants to host. But she's like, we'll, st- we'll still invite him. We'll give him a second chance. I'm oh, like, wow, that's she's awesome. way more ahead of the game than me. Um, <laughs> I asked her, I'm like, do you want it? I said, hey, Aria, when we go home, do you want a treat today? She goes, no. It was uh, someone's birthday at school today. We already got a donut. So no more treats for me. Not till tomorrow. I'm like, oh, Where wow. Did you come from, kid? <laughs> um, that's this incredible. Is a, this, this is a three-year-old. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, those would be two two stories, but also I actually a, a fun story that I think is a, I like to share is um, I stole a few things in my youth as well. I stole uh, some iPods at summer camp, one or two at a house party, and the worst thing about it was um, I didn't even sell them; they were locked, so I threw them out. But um, three years ago during COVID, I was it was coming up. I was remembering a lot that I stole these iPods. Yeah. So I, I, I found them on Facebook and I added them and I sent them a five minute voice note. I said, Hey, I stole your iPod 17 years ago. I just wanted to apologize. I've looked at the fair market value of the iPod then, factoring the highest rate of return on interest, be about $1,000 today. So I said, I can either send you $1,000 right now or $2,000 to the charity. And uh, they asked for the charity, uh, which was also awesome to see. But it just reminded me it's never too late to say sorry. And it's never, and honestly, like, I don't think about it anymore. I feel like I adequately addressed those things that I did. So I always like to ask myself, like, does anybody that I hurt doing something bad, even if I was nine years old, I don't care. It's never too late to, um, to say sorry. Yeah, um, that's a great story, Mike. Wow. How powerful. That's, that's really incredible that you did that. Uh, I want to uh, move forward in the interview and ask you five quick answer questions, Mike. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first it. one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Um, I'll just go recent on this one. Yeah. Because uh, we were talking about him before and I will go with, um, actually, I'll go with a friend, UJ, UJ Ramdas. Oh, okay. The author of the five minute journal. Yeah. He's a great friend. He always asks you great questions. And if you're in a moment of chaos or not, so yeah, I'll go with my friend UJ. Fantastic. Okay. UJ Ramdas. And my next question is about emotions. So how has mindfulness helped how you deal with your emotions? Um, I am quite calm in chaos. I don't know where exactly it came from, um, but it, it allows me, if I'm stressed out or whatever, or, or, or feeling a feeling of overwhelmed, I go for a very, very long walk or sit in the hot tub and uh, I get alone time, no phone, and um, just give myself an opportunity to to think without the input of others, whether podcast, music, nothing, just mm-hmm. uh, total total silence to think through things. And then when something's stressful, I ask myself, okay, if something's stressful, I go, is there something I could do about it? If no, move on. If yes, do the thing. Um, oh, very good. So that's been powerful yeah. for me. My next question is about breathing, and we've talked quite a bit about it, but can you kind of condense it into 30 seconds, maybe some advice or a tip about breathing? I don't know how much your audience has followed any of James Nestor's book or the book um, Breath, Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a a very obstructed airway for a long time. I got nose surgery. I got a a septorhinoplasty when I was in 2018, age 28, and it's forever changed my life. 
Um, I can breathe through my nose. It's amazing. I'm, I'm way calmer. I sleep better. I can scuba dive. I can hike. Um, breathing slow is good. Breathing through your nose is good too. Um, but also I did learn though, however, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. That is very interesting. My next question is about a book. If there's a book you already mentioned, James Nestor, uh, Breath, uh, any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? So Living from a Place of Surrender, Mickey Singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like a lot of the Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger books just because the amount of patience. They live life in decades and not years. So mm-hmm. extending the time horizon of your goals. Uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport all about having completely unobstructed, deep focus work instead of constant busy work. Um, right. Yeah, those ones. And The One Thing by Gary Keller. Oh, yeah, The One Thing, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've interviewed Gary, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, we'll put all that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And, and a last question is about an app. Is there an app that you recommend that's related to this topic? Uh, believe it or not, I don't own a cell phone. Right. I saw that in some of your online information. So I used to not own a phone between 2017 and 2020, Uh but as of last week, I've gone phone free again. And I don't know if it'll be for, for 10 days or 10 years or a lifetime, but I think the best app is no app. Um, I hate Slack. I hate it. All the dings and the pings and the the, the freedom.to is a decent app that allows you to block out things. But an app is not good. I don't think an app is going to get people there. I think it's a band-aid solution. I think it's a painkiller. Um, the, the, the mindfulness needs to be, the desire must come from within. It's not going to be an external feature or a tool. Um, so to me, it's been the no phone at all. None. I have an iPad. It doesn't have a data plan. Mm-hmm. Turns out uh, everybody else has a phone. I memorize the numbers that are important to me. I carry a journal and I like to draw. Um, I've just recently took a drawing class and um, it's amazing. You would think everybody says, what about the emergency? Well, it has in, in, in all these years, it hasn't happened yet. And I tell if my wife has an emergency call 911. They're going to get there a lot faster than me and be a lot more helpful. She's the nurse, not me. So it's it just like if, if people could even try like a walk without a phone, never mind, like two days, two days, like and, and I'm I'm running. I've run multiple companies and I got young children and a wife and all that stuff. Like I'm pretty busy and it's, it's amazing how little you miss the thing because I, I hop on the computer and I better get the stuff done because those emails aren't walking away with me in my pocket. But like, you know, to say only check your email in the morning or only check it at night. If that thing's in your pocket, you're going to check it. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if anybody is in a position, you know, if you're a real estate agent and stuff, like I was just with a realtor this morning, he's like, I wish I could not have a phone, but like, I'm kind of, I could, he's like, I could not have a computer. I'm like, well, try that then. Um, yeah. Because my, my, my presence, day two of no phone, I don't know why, but my, my daughter came up to me in bed and gave me like a five minute hug. She never does that. Wow. And she just went, will you play with me? Can we go play in the creek? I'm like, whoa. I was way less present than I was giving myself credit for, way less. And my wife didn't, I didn't even tell her I'm going no phone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, whoa, that makes sense. You seem a lot more here the last couple of days. Hey, um, that's cool. The best app is no app. That's, that's great advice. It really is, Mike. Well, as we wrap up the interview, Mike, and this has been a fantastic interview. I've really enjoyed meeting you and talking to you and learning all this. Do you have any final words of advice for our listeners as we sign off? 
Final words of advice? I would say live life in decades, not years. If you intend to live for a while, you're going to have decades, not years. And, you know, we, we underestimate what we can do in 10 years and we overestimate what we can do in one. And it's amazing how much more fun it is if you are confident in the mountain that you are climbing. It doesn't, you don't have to get there all at once. And sometimes when you, usually, I, I love this analogy, but when, when you climb a mountain, it's never straight up. It's days of sideways and backtracking. So as long as you're confident that you are climbing the right mountain, even if three months go by without productivity, who cares? It's fine. Just let yourself take as many and as long breaks that you possibly need. And um, sometimes while you're climbing that mountain, take a breath, look around and look at some other mountains and make sure that you're still happy with the one that you're climbing. And if not, go climb another one. Great advice. Mike, thanks for what you're doing in the world and thanks for being on the show. You have a great rest of your day. So, yo, one more thing for you. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't run ads. I don't do Google stuff, Facebook stuff, none of that at all. Um, I'll set you up with just the code Langford uh, because, you know, you're not an affiliate. You're not a, a, a content pushing guy. Uh, like you're not pushing products here. You're just having great conversations with people. Yeah. So the right. fun thing about that, it allows me to create a really big discount code and just share it with your audience because it's not going to go to, you know, there's not five hands in the jar. So I'm going to create a special code uh, and I'm going to call it uh, just Langford, just your last name. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be 20% off. Um, and that will just live there forever. So if anybody fantastic. ever feels called to try it, come try it. And if not, that's fine too. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that, Mike. I appreciate it. It's not yeah. like we lose money. I'd rather yeah. give the money to, to the customer instead of to Google or Facebook. So That's awesome. All right. That's nice awesome. to meet you, Bruce. Yeah, you too. Take care. Until yep. next time. Bye now. Yep. See ya. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. So you heard Michael, you heard what he suggested. And that is, if you're interested in the product that he's talking about, the Jasper, J-A-S-P-R, just go to jaspr.co and have a look at, at the information about the item. And then if you decide to purchase it, use coupon code Langford and get 20% off. And if you have any problem at all with that, you can email me, Bruce, at mindfulnessmode.com and I'll fix that up for you so you do get 20% off and it's not an affiliate link it's just to, to help you it's to serve my listeners with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>